0: Welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk
1: with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Nope. But, uh, oh, now it says you're live. So we are live. Um, I'm gonna jump right into the introduction as to not waste any time today. Did I turn on this microphone?
0: (laughs) There's so many things. There's so many things to coordinate. There
1: are. All right, now the microphone's on. Jake commence with the podcast. Good day, everyone. My name is CJ Reynolds and Randy Pro already has a question in I'm gonna answer in just a second. Uh, I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, um, which if you've not been here before, so this is for the people that have not been here before because there are people that every once in a while will be like, wait, he has a YouTube channel? Wait, he has a book? And I'm just like, yep. So that's why I run through this whole thing to make sure no one is left out and everyone has all the knowledge that they need. Um, Started this YouTube channel four-ish years ago uh as just something to do and now what i found was that sunday nights look i didn't find this out four years ago i knew this from the first moment that i taught sunday nights are the most terrifying nights ever unless it's a three-day weekend which this one is in the united states we got labor day which not anyone most people aren't even aware of what the heck labor day is but we got off for it we don't ask questions people we just enjoy the day off um sunday night is terrifying for most educators and so what we do is uh, we show up and we meet up together. So when I say we, it is not just me. Um, this is also the folks that are in the chat. So if you're listening to this as a podcast, there's a live feed that happens every Sunday, 1 PM Eastern standard time on YouTube, um, which will eventually be on multiple platforms at once, but we're not there yet. Cause that costs more money than that is allocated to other things right now. Anyway, something weird. on Um, this whole community that we are forming here together is the, I think the main theme of this is to help teachers be the, the teacher they always dreamed of being. That's what we're working towards here, right? It's an ongoing thing. Teaching is a craft. It is not something you're good at immediately. There might be some anomalies out there, right? There's somebody that did a kick flip the first time they ever rode a skateboard. There's somebody that could do a drum fill the first time they ever played drums. I took years of practice in the basement without anyone knowing in both skateboarding. I forgot I used to skateboard in my basement.
0: Oh, weird. You had enough space to do that.
1: No, I mean, the ceilings were high enough, but back in the eighties, the tricks were different. No one was doing like kickflips and stuff like Uh that. But like we used to jump off the steps. Oh man, I forgot all about this. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Um, so as part of that community, there's a number of things that you can get involved in. It is this live feed. It is, um, being a part of like Instagram. It's being a part of the Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook. You have to sign, you have to do three little questions to get in there so we're sure that you're not a robot or you're not um, part of some company that's gonna try and sell things to people. Um, I have a book that I really put my heart and soul into writing. It is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And Target, it's available on Target's website. I don't know if anyone bought it from Target, but uh, apparently it's it's on there. It's available. Um, and so that, that exists. Also, there's also private mentoring calls. You sign up on our website, real with and you can sign up for mentoring calls with me. And, uh, I love these things because it's like talking to someone for an hour and really going deep. Like what happened with this kid on Friday that has you paralyzed? What happened with this parent? How are you going to teach this lesson? I can't figure out this thing. I don't know how to, plan my year or deal with toxic teachers. It's one-on-one conversations that help you figure that stuff out. So just saying there's a lot there so that you don't have to feel like you're alone and that you're going through this by yourself. Um, and last thing before I jump in, um, two things. One, if you have a question, please put it in the chat. If you put Q or question next to it, it just helps us to identify it. Cause what's happening right now that, that you can't see, um, this is a complicated situation. We have, we have a whole organization going here.
0: No, wait. It is, I just want to pause and say Nick Ferroni has an Instagram that he put up that is so funny about virtual teaching. Yeah, it talks about all the stuff you need for the production, right? Like, oh yeah. Oh, all you need is like, you know, like a production team from Marvel Studios. You need the lights. You need the audio. You need yeah. this. You need that. It was kind of really hilarious. <laughs> yeah.
1: No one knows, man. No one it's knows what teachers will go to. Yeah. What lengths they will go to to get
0: They're things awesome.
1: done. Um. But what was I going to say
0: now? Oh dude? shoot. I'm sorry. Oh, I can really oh. I don't know. Not just more. jump into it. <laughs> um,
1: but there were two good things. I forget what the one was. The other one was I have been working and this is not a paid ad because I, those are different. Um, I've been working with a company called HMH, Houghton, Mifflin, Harcourt. Most of you, your textbooks come from them. Um, some of you might have like the read 180 program or any number of other programs. If you are part of their network, if your school bought books from them, you have access to, I believe is how it goes down to their online content. And mm-hmm. I, along with a number of other, um, they're calling us teacher ambassadors, which makes me feel like royalty. Um, they are, we create content for them for their site called teachers corner. And so if you just go to, uh, if you just Google HMH teachers corner, you can get like exclusive content there. And it's been really fun. It's been really challenging too. Cause you can't just like pull, like when I make YouTube videos, I just pull stuff from YouTube or like, I just like take things and you don't ask, cause who's gonna know that I did it um, except for music. But um, on there, I had to do it like all legit and legal and it was really hard to do. And it came out really, there's some fantastic stuff on there. So if you're interested and you're bored at school and you need you know, a six minute video to get you through, um, that's also why I haven't been creating stuff for my own YouTube channel cause there's only so many hours in the day. So I've been making stuff for HMH, like 20 videos for them but uh that exists are you ready ready randy pro's been up there since like literally six seconds in yeah
0: way to go randy good
1: job um hi from delaware yeah. delaware delaware always reminds me what's the one thing you think of when you think of delaware besides tax free shopping <laughs> wayne's, world. wayne's world when they're like <laughs> when they're like being magically transferred they're like hi we're in delaware and it was just like <laughs> delaware uh what was it
0: where the hell do we go in Delaware? Poor Delaware. It gets a bad rap. No, I like There's Delaware. No,
1: we looked at houses in Delaware when we were talking about moving. We did, moving. we
0: looked at a school in Delaware. Um,
1: there was a great school in Delaware called the Pilot School that we were talking about going to. And Anyway, I won't go down the whole rabbit hole. But um, How do you plan to balance direct instruction via via Zoom versus pre-recorded lectures? So, for those of you that, that don't know, our situation this year is 100% virtual, at least through Thanksgiving. Um... But if something magical at Thanksgiving doesn't happen, like the like turkey saves the day or something like that, we are going. So in, in, in America, uh, Thanksgiving is a, is a holiday in November. Um, they we are probably the, like even the people that run the school are like, look, th- th- we're probably going to be virtual the entire year. With that in mind, the school gave us um, what we thought was going to be an absolute outline of how your class should run, but now it's more of a general outline, which is really good because I like my autonomy. Um, and that looks something like five-minute pre-recorded video in the beginning of your class, which I'm not going to do, and I'll get to in a second. Twenty-eight minutes of direct instruction, which is too long for direct instruction for, especially with some of the students that I work with, um, and then like. 15 or 20 minutes of like group time and then like come back together for 15 minutes and do some kind of exit ticket or closing activity. What I'm envisioning instead is I think the more you can chunk things up, the more you can, uh, do do like give kids breaks, change the, what you're doing, the better. So I'm planning on doing my journal entries that I always do will be the first 10 minutes of class, right? So when you come on, that journal entry will be up on, I'll share my screen, it will be up there. You will complete it and and hand it in uh, using uh, Schoology, which, real quick, does it bother anyone else when people call it Schoology, right? I know it's common error. I know it's not that big of a deal. But I'm just like, people, you're messing with my brain because I'm going to start messing it up now. It's Schoology, not Schoology. Um, Which squalogy sounds cooler, squalogy. But I would make it with a Q, squalogy. Anyway, um, 10 minutes of that, and then I think it's gonna jump into me doing something live. Like, okay, we're all here, let's have this conversation. Or I'm gonna do like 10 minutes tops of direct teaching and then bam, go do something. That can look like a couple of different things. I'm thinking right now that if your grades are on point, Mm -hmm you have the freedom. You've earned the freedom to go and do this by yourself. You can just turn off your camera. You don't have to sign out, turn off your camera, turn off your mic, go do the work for 20 minutes and come back when you're done. If that's how you want to do it, right? The kids who need more direct, uh, attention or that are not getting the work done, you have to meet in small groups and then myself or me and the co-teacher for the class that I have co-teacher with will meet with those students during those small groups. We will work through things with them to help them to do the best that they can returning from that before we have like a, um, like a conversation or something to, to drive kids back and to make kids have to show up. Um, I'm thinking about then inserting some sort of pre-made video or a video from YouTube that like the rest of the, like as an example or something that's interesting or or something that's going to tie in, right? It's not just some like random, like raccoons juggling video. Although I'm not even sure those exist, but they probably do. And my children could probably tell me where they exist on TikTok. Um, then we come back, share what we did and then kind of close it out. That's what I'm thinking right now. So the pre-made things, although I will say this, my, my buddy at school, this guy, Diawara, uh, last year was finding it hard to ha- like have kids do the pre- like explain the pre-class, but he really wanted to just check homework first to see for math to check understanding. So instead of doing a pre-class and then checking homework, He pre-recorded the pre-class, which was just him standing in the front of his classroom, talking. The kids are watching it on TV for whatever reason, because it was on a screen. Kids were more likely to just stand there and stare at it, even though it was just him doing the exact same thing. Right.
0: That's fantastic. I think
1: part of that in their mind, in the back of their mind, subconsciously, they know that it's the trains moving. The video won't stop. The video won't say something again. Even when we watch church on TV, you're just like, the kids come down like, good morning. You're like, shh, good morning.
0: And we never do that in any other. This is live. you are going
1: to miss it. You're going to mess it up. (laughs) And then you miss something and you hear everyone yelling amen. And you're like, oh, (laughs) we missed it. So Good morning. We're glad to see you too, but we just missed the whole thing. But he would do that. He would check homework while he was doing that. That's really smart. It was really brilliant, man. So like, I think those are just two ways I'm thinking of uh, to kind of use that uh mr james pete mr james pete wasn't here last week
0: he wasn't he apologized he to did you.
1: but he's i'm just saying He no, wasn't. Here. he's allowed i'm to, just playing you know? um i just want to say I'm,
0: edie's fantastic this was a three-part question and she put it all in my there my girl Thanks, edie. edie
1: so oh that was the thing i was going to tell everyone about but i'll save that till later um edie public thank you to you again thank you very much buddy um mr james pete is asking i'm in year 22 and i've had this occur a few times in my career, but my teacher, but a teacher pretty aggressively asked me to do less in quotes because expectations would be higher and unattainable for teachers without the same skills. How do you go about balancing the frustration with having a teacher say that while still putting blinders on and moving forward? I guess what I'm saying is I'm moving on, but I'm still, I still want to be gracious and kind. Um, should, I worry that, uh, should I worry about balancing this? Do you have a strategy for it or should I just plow for it? Dude, this is such a great question. Um, and I think this is a question that is like, I would guarantee that on a live feed like this, on a a program like this, with people like that are watching this, this has got to hit home for so many people. Um, and I would say that this is not just something that I've dealt with, uh, in my teaching life, but in my life in general, where like, I, I, and I've said this before, and so, in, in, the, in the Why Not Become Fire video, I talk about this thing where like when I go to parks, um, kids just talk to me. They just come over and like, they ask me to play. We're, we're like, we were, we were on a walk the other day and I saw this little boy and I, and this sounds mean, right? But I did, I did it anyway. We're walking down the street and I go, wait, I know him. I go, do not make eye contact with that kid. I said, just keep going. And my wife goes, why? And I go, cause, <laughs> Cause I play with him at the pool and which right, sounds weird, right? But at the pool, when we're playing, um, games will go in the deep end and play like these games with the kids. It's essentially like someone waits in the middle of the pool and the kids have to swim back and forth. I don't know why I gave you all that information. It's not really important. Um, I'm the only dad that plays. I'm the only dad, right? But what happens is when kids want to come join the game, they don't ask kids or if there's no game happening, I've been like, throwing quarters in the, in the diving well with Marley. And we drive, dive down to the bottom to get them. I come up to find some kid waiting. They're like, Hey, Hey man, uh, you want to play sharks and minnows with us? They don't ask my kids. They ask me. And so I see, right. Cause I'm looking, cause I know this is weird. I like see other parents, like just kind of looking at me like, who the hell is this dude? Like, what is this guy up to? And I'm like, yo, talk to your kids about talking to strangers one and two, like, I can't, I, I can't not do it. Like it happens all the time." So in that, um, I feel like in my life I've been, you know, when I, whether it's the car that I had or the, or what I was wearing or how hard I went in a class or, you know, even anything that I'm doing, that is a constant reminder. I think there's a couple things here, James one, it's about changing who you even hang out with. If that's possible in life, right? What I don't do anymore is cause I feel bad. Sometimes I feel uh, there's a part of me that feels bad. If I feel bad that someone else's class is not crazy because, and I, and I discount myself because I forget that. No, it's not, it's not that it comes easy to me. Like having a great class is hard work. It is like, I might be naturally enthusiastic. I might have some natural confidence, but the confidence I have like is been hard won. Um, the, the, the things that I've done in my class, the connections I've made with other people, the way that I get the place that I get to with kids is I get there because I put in hard work and I'm not the only one you can see in my school. Like we have teachers. My friend, Miss Casey is someone I'm thinking of who is wildly different in class than I am wildly different personality wise than I am, but has such deep and wonderful relationships with students, but it's because she puts in tons and tons of time with kids and, and And that then comes back. And then other people, you know, it's like when you, if you have good kids, right? Like I have good kids, people be like, your kids are so good. I wish my kids were good like that, bro. Put in work like they were naturally born this way. We crafted these, these dudes. Um, and so it is about one, I think being mindful of who you're around Two, never, ever, ever, ever dumb it down. Right. And you know this, but let me remind you why because the kids deserve it, right? Let's take let's go straight Adam, welcome uh, and Todd Nessaloni. The kids deserve it. That's why we're doing. Education's only about kids. My my education's not about d- dying down dying things down for you to make you feel better, but what I can do and I talk about this in the book. The uh, Teacher Class Off Real Rap Guide to Teaching available right now on Amazon, um, is talking about inviting people to the party. I think often Folks get discouraged because they think it's a competition and look on some level, there's a little bit of competitiveness there, right? Like I, like I want kids to go home on the first day of school and think that my class is the best, but that, but not, but I don't want them to hate everyone else's class, right? Like I want the whole school to be doing great. So um, I was talking to some people at the Ron Clark Institute um, and they were saying how like when you go to the Ron Clark Institute to, to teach, to be a director of something, whatever you're doing, everyone there is the Michael Jordan of their profession. Like everybody's great. There are no, like, there's no like one like damn, like that dude's legit. Everyone is awesome. And so that's what I want to cultivate in my school. So it's about, I think, inviting people to the party. And instead of me telling someone else like that, I'll die it down. How about I help you figure out how to dial it up? Let's look at your class. Let's figure out some things that you can do that are authentic to you because you're not me. Right. And that is a big mistake that people make. They look at someone else and they think I want my class to be like that. But if they are not you, if you're an introvert and they're an extrovert, it's never going to happen. If you're an extrovert and they're introvert, never going to happen. If they are, I don't know the, you know, super young and cool and hip and they dress right. And like the kids are like, damn, like don't think they're just going to slap on some Jordans and roll up to school. And it's all going to be different for you. It's not, you have to be authentic to who you are. And so I largely am a jackass. And so I, that, I benefit from that from my inability to really care what people think when I'm being a jackass, and so, which is why I will occasionally shave and have a mustache and just go out to dinner with my wife and drives her crazy and I just think it's really funny and I don't really care what other people think around me. <laughs> but maybe that's not you and that's okay. I think the best teachers figure out what is their kind of superpower? What is their thing that if you, again, if, if I mention my video, um, uh, why not be fire? It's figuring out what is your fire and then bringing that to the table and like sort of exposing or exploiting or blowing that up. That's where you get really great stuff. Um, so that's, that's just what I'm thinking about And that dude, that is a hard conversation and it's hard to hear people say, but it's like, no, 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 no. I will never dial it down. Um, cause what I'm doing, I'm doing for kids, not doing it for me, not doing it to be teacher of the year, right? Like I, I, as if we even had that, I almost won at one time, but then they took it away. But that's a whole other story um
0: <laughs> that'll be in your next book <laughs> my
1: next book almost teacher of the year that's the name of the next book um nick is at nick lundell is asking hola ma Ola, um my school wants me to plan for synchronous learning between in-class students and distance learning students especially teach both at the same time during specific time wait essentially oh essentially I said, what did I say specifically? That's not even remotely the same word. Something
0: like Um, that.
1: Essentially, teach both at the same time during specific times. Any tips? Uh, Ask E (laughs) D. Synchronous. I think, so look, I think Nick, let me say this on the front end. For anyone that is dealing with this also. So what Nick's asking, if you're not not paying attention, um, Nick is saying, synchronous learning right meaning we're learning at the same time we are talking to our students live in person and then the school wants him to somehow like like have a live feed for his class so that the kids are at home can see that as well and they are somehow interacting as well um for a number of reasons i think this is a terrible idea uh mostly because how can you like i can't i am not a multitasker And to ask me to engage with people that are online, I'm on my computer typing or whatever, and while I'm talking to kids in class is like, bro, this is like... TJ can't
0: even find questions on the screen during the live. No. Like, you cannot run a live.
1: But I will say this. (laughs) To my last point with Mr. James Pete, it is, I know what I'm good at. I also know what I'm not good at. And when I'm not good at, I delegate, right? Which is why I I am blessed to have you and Edie, like organizing the questions. Yeah. Um, so if you're watching this, I do not find the questions myself. I am Edie, who is my helper, uh, all the way in Texas is pulling your questions. She puts them in a Google doc. Jen, I pulls them up in the screen in front of me and then I read them off there. Right. Cause I can't do it myself. Um, I would be deplorable teaching like that. I think it would be far better for those students to have split time, direct time with you or, um, some, like both would have like some, uh, asynchronous learning, some video, and then Okay, and but then what sometime. do
0: if this is the, Got this is, is this issue. So,
1: um, I'm thinking you, I'm thinking this, Nick, as I'm going through all my training this week and they're telling us the gajillion things we have to do at the end of the week, we get, we do a department meeting and we did a grade level meeting. And in both of those meetings, they asked us to put in, like, are you feeling from scale from one to six? Like, extremely stressed to like, bro, I got this. The majority of the school was either extremely stressed or one step down, like, like across the board. It was just like that same number five and six, just kept coming up. Um, that to me, when I see that I just let go, right? There's no way I'm going to stress my out self out so bad that I'm going to figure this out because what you're asking me to figure out and I'm going to answer your, your question with the actual answer in a moment when I'm when you're asking me to figure out is something that's not figure-outable. And I'm not sure that's a word, but it should be. If it's not figure-outable, I'm not going to do it. And so, I'm going to figure out a new way to do it that's going to best serve children. Um so I would say the best way to do it is to teach the kids that are in front of you in your class, right? What I would try to figure out is um is there a way that while those students that are in class are doing something, can you then be engaging with the students that are online? Um, and then I, here's, here's the bigger picture. I think I would be checking in with parents of the kids that are that are your online learners and saying like, look, I'm trying to figure this out, right? We're like, we are in the midst. We're building the boat while we're trying to sail it at the same time. Right. Um, but what, what are you seeing as some needs that are not being met? Or like, what are, like, where, where is your child really struggling? Or like, where, like, because you can't see them at home. You can see them online, you can't see them at home. And I would bring parents into that conversation to try and figure something out. Um, but other than that, that's, that's a hard one. Because, and, and, and it's a hard one because I don't, it's a model that I don't think works, and I don't think is a, is a good one for students. Um, that doesn't change your situation, I get it. Like, you're still, you're still stuck, you still have to do it. Um, I am wondering if anyone else has an answer to that. If anyone else has an answer to how are you teaching kids synchronously and asynchronously or synchronously at the same time, whether they're virtual or in person, what did it say?
0: Chris Chong said, um, my school says that we have to make sure that we are engaging online learners at the same time, or we might be out of jobs if the parents find a better option. Yeah. Oh, is he at a private school? Well, I don't know, but I mean, it's literally hanging on. That's that just, it's, just, and it's here's, almost here's, mind-boggling to me. And talk I about, about let's
1: to let's it's, talk it's, about more macro I than I that. Feel that idea, right, of people saying you What's might have you? to look for another job if you can't do this is so ludicrous. And I will not buy into that because, because fear is the reason that teachers teach the way they do anyway. It's the reason that teachers mm-hmm. are afraid to build relationships with students anyway and to the detriment of the child. It's the way that teachers like like James was saying, like sometimes will draw back in their classes because they don't want to make everyone else feel bad. They do that and don't teach their class off, right? Because they, they are afraid anyway. They're afraid they'll lose their jobs if they go too hard. They'll they'll lose their jobs if they don't go hard enough. Um, And I'm saying that, and look, this is a guy that has a mortgage two kids, a wife that stays home and homeschools my children, a dog that has more needs than any dog I've ever met in my life. He's so expensive. He's so expensive. (laughs) Love you. Um, Like I have things like above this. You can't see this. My roof started leaking in my laundry room now, right? So like now I'm teaching in a room where my roof leaks and it's all brown and crusty looking up there and I got to get it fixed, right? It's going to cost me like $5,000. That like my dryer broke last week and I had to get that fixed. Like there's stuff going on. I'm telling you that I will not fear losing my job because I did the right thing for kids. There's no chance. And, and so because I just think that doing the right thing is all, I I didn't make this up. It's doing the right thing is always the right thing. So it's about hearing what the school's saying. I got you. And then trying to figure out a better way um, and I think in sometimes going to, cause the school look it's not like they were masterminds of this. It's not like the administration or the board figured this out. Cause they looked at the studies or they looked at how other people are doing it, Cause no one's ever done this, right? Didn't happen before that we'd have to teach synchronously at the same time while someone's on the computer and someone's live in front of you. Um, I mean, can you imagine having a party like that or like anything else in your life where you'd have to like engage like in both places? It would be insane. Um, so like, I just think that that's, that's crazy. It's about trying to figure that out. So I think this is a really good question for the Facebook group too, I would say, um, for real rapid round teacher talk to, to ask and see just how people are at least surviving in that moment. That was a lot to say for not like a direct answer, but I just thought the big picture was important. Um, my buddy, Amy Russell is saying, I feel like some days I'm not engaging enough, but I need to let students do the work I assigned and be available for questions. Do you feel like, the pressure to fill every moment of the virtual time. Yes. Um, I have felt like that. Um, especially last year when we first started doing this. And I think that that's a common feeling of teachers also, right? They're always pushing this idea of teaching bell to bell because it's rigorous. Um, and I don't think that's the move. I think that if every, if you think about the, how ludicrous that is, that's like, if you were at the gym, Amy, and you were, on the treadmill. And then you went right into doing bench press and didn't take any breaks. And then even in your between sets on the bench press, you jumped on another machine. Then you jumped on another machine then jumped on it. Nobody does that. Do you've been in the gym? People just, they're just like hanging out. They're just, I can't even get on the treadmill. This so homie's like standing there talking to someone trying to get a date tonight. And I'm like, bro, excuse me, if you're just going to talk, uh, could you move over? So I could, I'll just use it. You don't even have to wipe it down. I'll just jump on this piece of equipment for you. Um, that is There's nothing in our lives in which we feel every single moment of every single that that we're there, right? It just doesn't happen that way. I think the downtime for kids honors them. It gives them a breather. It lets them take, take a moment. Doesn't mean they're just chilling. Doesn't mean anyone's just sitting on their phone. Doesn't mean that you're just showing a movie for no particular reason. Um, but it's like building in those, bits of rest. Right. It's like when I, I am really in the cycling lately. And so like when I ride my bike, I will go really, really hard. And then sometimes I just don't go really hard. Right. So like, maybe I'm going downhill. Maybe I'm on like a nice flat piece of, of road where I just kind of stand up pedal without my hands. Um, I'm not stopping. I'm not like having a picnic on the side of the road. I'm still working, but I'm not going full force the whole time. I think I've been thinking a lot about like just having conversations like in the middle of my 80 minute block. Um, Hey, all right, let's take just 10 minutes. I'm really interested. I've been watching this on YouTube or my kids have been really watching a lot of Phineas and Ferb lately, right? Has anyone watched Phineas and Ferb? What's the draw for the show? What do I need to know? Does platypus ever talk? I don't really know. It's a green post on the show. doesn't seem to say anything. The one brother's from Britain. I don't even know how these two kids are related. His head looks like a Dorito it's bringing up things that your students might be interested in or giving them space to just talk and not feeling like you have to fill every moment. Um, because the people that again, and I'm not trying to just bash schools, but so often the folks that are creating these policies have never been in the classroom and they don't know what actually works cause it works. They're creating models that look good to the community, to the stakeholders, to the investors so that it looks rigorous, but it's fake rigor. And I think that any of us that have been in a classroom for a minute, you know that like you don't have to fill every single moment of every single day that sometimes the things that really bring your class together are the off moments. It's like you don't play music by just going, Doo. even if you like take it up and down, there has to be spaces in between and that's what makes the song beautiful. And so just remembering sort of that uh, mindset, but doing it intentionally. Right? There's a difference between taking breaks, having conversations, having teachable moments uh, from kids getting one over on a teacher, from teachers just going, all right, we're done? Yo, we're done for the day. Let's just chill. And then like the teacher's like sitting back at their desk doing God knows what, and the kids are playing trash cabal by themselves. That is lazy teaching. But how can you just have a conversation? Guys, what have you been doing? Girls, what have you been up to? What are you watching? What are you seeing? What are you reading? What do you, whatever. Um, what do I need to know? What? Does old me need to know about young people. What are you guys into right now? And that's a great conversation. And kids will tell you all kinds of weird stuff. They'll be like, do you know about this? Do you know about this app? Do you know about this thing? Do you know about this TikTok? Do you know this thing happened? you hear about Chris Brown now. Um, it's all this stuff that comes up and that's really a fun conversation. Um, Catherine is asking how long did it take you to lesson plan your first year? Oh, Uh, this is a great question. I feel like it's taking me forever in capital letters to plan, engaging lessons for my students, especially in a virtual setting, Catherine, it, it took me a long time. Um, I would say most of the weekend I would do lesson plans, um, and totally stress myself out. I think what changed things for me was realizing that I, one, did not have to recreate the wheel that when you recreate the wheel, it is just, it, you get no extra credit from students, from staff, from anyone else in the world, right? If you think about how many people actually know what you're teaching, right? There are no, like, like quick lesson. Um, I'd say most, school, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to go 99%. That's the number I'm putting out there. 99% of schools do not read lesson plans that teachers submit the end you, they, they collect. And I know this cause I meet with edge with, with like folks that are the admin. Like when I get to go to all these conferences and stuff and I ask them this question and they go, and I, one woman told me she got up at a conference, the NJPSA conference. She and it's, Yo, no, 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 dude. Cause she was a boss. Oh. She said it on stage in front oh, of everyone. Okay, she way. goes, I do not collect lesson plans anymore. I just assume teachers do them. It's their professional responsibility, but I do not. She's like, I, she talked about how much time it took to collect them, to check them in and not even to read them, but to just make sure they had like all the things they were yeah, supposed yeah. to have. She's like, it took like so much time up every week. She said, instead I go around now, check in with teachers. Yeah. I walk in their classrooms and see what it actually looks like. because. I did lesson plans. Here's another thing. I did lesson plans my first year. The next four years in that school, I handed in the same lesson plan. Oh, it's (laughs) it's first week of November. Here's this lesson plan. Didn't matter if it was what I was really doing because I knew no one was looking at it. But now, but, but, and I always had a lesson plan. I always had something sketched out or an idea or something I was going in with. It wasn't like I was just showing up and, and you know, spitball or what the hell do you say? I, don't know. I wasn't just trying? like, it wasn't just off the cusp or, or oh my gosh, I'm really winning right now. But, um, but it was like, I didn't want to spend my time doing that thing. So I think looking for stuff online and the way that I did that was, and I've talked about this in a million videos, looking up great lesson plan for Lord of the flies. What, uh, best lesson ever Lord of the flies. Um, amazing lesson Lord of the flies. And then I would print all of those out, actually print them out because my computer screen wasn't big enough for this at the time. Um, and then l- reading through all of them and saying, I like this idea, "I like this idea, like this idea, like this idea. And it looked like minority report on my wall, either in my classroom or in my house, I would tape all of those up there put them in an order w- that I liked and then figured out how to connect the dots. Okay. With what we're doing, how do all of these fit in a way that actually makes sense and is actually going to move the needle forward for my students. Um, and then, so I, that's, that's one thing. The second thing I do is I started and I learned this from my friend, Randy rebuy, um, who's a really great author and you should buy all of his books. Uh, Randy took a Google spreadsheet, put all the dates in and then reverse engineered. He said, I have five weeks to teach this book, right? So it's like, uh, put all the dates in for five weeks, then went through and said, okay, on the school calendar, we have off this day, half day, this day, we're doing this, this day. There's a blood drive this day and kids won't be in class whatever it was, plugged all those dates in. Then I systemized my class. I made it systematic in that every Monday is vocab. Every Friday is assessments. And I didn't really go in order, but every Wednesday is independent reading day. So given that if every Monday I know I have to do vocab and every Friday an assessment and every Wednesday is independent reading day, that leaves me with this much time during the week to do other things and then allocating that time appropriately to get from the beginning date to that five week marker period at the end of my unit and that's how i figure out what my class is going to look like and then it's always going to move right so making your lesson plans overly precious is does good for no one because maybe you did something for three days last week and then like wednesday thursday friday and then on monday you realize the kids have zero idea or no recollection that they didn't really understand it or you didn't teach it that well or no one was paying attention or whatever and you have to go do it again. So now you're just pushed back, which is fine, right? You can always add time on or or take it away from somewhere else or don't have independent reading one day or skip vocab one week or don't do it. Whatever you're the master of the boat here. So that's where you find that wiggle room because you just want to make sure this isn't, you want to make sure kids are learning. Well, which is the problem with scripted lesson plans, right? In those models, the train keeps moving. And if the kid doesn't get it, Sorry, sorry, man. The train's moving. We'll catch up with you later. Uh, and then you just keep going. No, you stop the friggin' train. You go back and pick that kid up, put him back on the train and then like, or go backwards and then go, but you are trying to figure out models. They're going to serve the kid. So it's about looking for stuff online that already exists. And then your job is to simply sprinkle the magic on it. Um, and, and that looks like, how do you make it engaging? How do you make it a little bit fun? Um, things don't have to be all fun, right? It is like, When my buddy, my friend, uh, Billy makes Brussels sprouts. It's the greatest thing I ever saw in my life. I hate Brussels sprouts. She simply sprinkled a little bit of sugar on them, cut the bitterness in half, and it really made them super good. And now I love Brussels sprouts because she sprinkled a tiny bit of sugar on Brussels sprouts. Bam. Spoonful sugar helps that medicine go down. Um, Cole is asking, Cole Hatchard, that's a tough, that's like a... Feel like you're in a novel and there he was Cole Hedges. That's a great name, man. Mm-hmm. That's a tough name. Um, any perspectives on flipping on flip learning? Yes. Uh, I started doing it a little bit before COVID hit, but I received a bit of pushback from my admin, any usefulness from your view, any tips? I like this idea. Um, if you can do it, um, I have found that for me, it, for me, not all of my, so we're not one-to-one in our school. Um, so for those of you, so the, let me explain how I'm, I'm perceiving this also. And so, because some folks might not know what this is. Flipped classrooms are essentially, you are giving kids what would have been classwork to do at home and giving them homework in class. So uh, my friend Wascom used to do this and Wascom used to record his lecture. The students would watch that at home. That was their homework. And then the next day they came in and did something with it. And the next day they were like, all the reading was done in class. And the reason we did this was because we found that our students just weren't reading at home. Even if you, if you can literally tell a kid to go home and say, I need you to read two sentences tonight, no one's doing it. Like they just would forget or it wasn't important or they just wouldn't do it or whatever. Um, so he was like, how can I get more reading time in class to do that? I would have to create my lecture or this explanation of things like, like my talk about what imagery is would happen at home. I think it's a great model. And, and this is why I think Cole, and I've said this already today, even when you are creating things that empower students that help students, I don't know how anyone can say you can't do it or that it's wrong. If you are doing something and you can, so what I would do is, um, is track your data and say, I realized that this wasn't, that, that people had an issue with this last year but if I could just show you the grades, if I could just show you the average amount of reading, if I could just show you um, the comprehension rate of the students, like in some way you're tracking that data by, and what I would do is just give some sort of brief assessment once or twice a week to just check for understanding, make sure kids were doing it. But if those numbers are going up, who could argue with that? And if they do argue with it, bro, what are you talking about? I just told you that kids are getting better grades and my engagements better. And all these markers are going up then that's what you need to do is just track that data. But I think that, um, th- and there's reasons that I won't don't necessarily have to go into now that like I chose not to do that, but, um, uh, Oh, actually I can't go into it. My students aren't one-to-one in freshman year. So not everyone has a device. And I found that not even all of my students had phones and some of my students had phones that were like really old or were like still flip phones or something like that. I just have to use this. Um, and so not everyone had the capability to watch the videos, even if they were on something simple like Google classroom, even if I text them to them, cause not everyone had texting, like some kids literally just had a phone um, to have a phone. Like it was more of a status symbol than it was like actually connected to anything. Um, so that that's why I didn't do that anymore. Cause it just felt like the kids, students didn't have the capability to watch the video content, but I think it's a great idea. Um, yeah. Uh, Eric, going to move that down? Oh, yeah. I am nice. so hungry all of a sudden. Dude. I am
0: too.
1: <laughs> Crazy hungry. The wife and I are doing this new eating experiment um, called the slow carb diet.
0: Tim Ferriss' version. Mm-hmm. And I'm not... Well, yesterday was cheat day, so we ate lots of sugar and carbs. Oh, man. And that was glorious. Straight Jersey.
1: Pork roll, egg, and cheese sandwich on a, on a, on but a roll. But today is
0: back to health, and we had a good Beer. breakfast. Beer. But... I'm really hungry now. So what else anyway, did we yesterday, going.
1: Milano cookies. Anyway, um, cream, we are eating stuff. in a different way, and it is. I'm incredibly hungry uh, right now. We also
0: did all, like exercise.
1: There was a lot of before. exercise today. Um, Eric Hulse is asking, new to the channel. Love your content. Thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate that. It really means a lot to me. Like if, when people say that, uh, I'm teaching with a hybrid model. For middle school music, any advice for teaching both live and online students at the same time, keeping them both engaged in learning? Um, we kind of already spoke to this. Um, but
0: no, don't burn yourself out. Take care of like, because it's an impossible ask. Let, is
1: let me add this to that conversation. Oh. Let me add this. And I realize some schools are far more strict and they're going to be like to come down on teachers a bit harder than, than other schools. Um, I, I would say this, Eric if you have to do that, right. And, and to the, to, I forget what the name was of the last person I asked that if you have to do that, can you figure out a way where you're going to just keep pivoting? So too often in teaching, I think that educators want to find, and I'm not saying this is you, right? I'm just saying in general, want to find. and let me say it like this, I'm not even going to blame other educators. I'm going to say this was me, right? When I started teaching, I wanted to figure out the way to teach, that I could just ride that I was trying to find the current and I could just sail into the sunset of of retirement or, or, or success or whatever, but it would have, it was like the minimum amount of work, the maximum amount of effort. And I would just cruise in. Right. But like teaching is less like trying to find the current or on a river and more like whitewater rafting, right? Where sometimes you're paddling your ass off and sometimes a rock hits you out of nowhere. And sometimes somebody fell out the boat. Oh, we lost Jim fell out of the boat. Um, that's what teaching feels more like. And so I think in those moments, two things to keep in mind. Um, one is how often can you pivot and change and make, be very clear with kids about this. Like whenever I change something, whenever I plan something for class and it doesn't work, I will tell kids like, Hey, look, um, like, we, cause you always have that kid. That's just, you always have that one kid that's not afraid to, or has zero filter, or will just say anything they think. And they'll be like, Yo, this is boring. Yo Reynolds, this sucks, bro. I don't want to do this. This is boring. And it's like, when a kid says that you have two options, you can either get offended or you can go, is it? Maybe they're right. Maybe, uh, Hey, uh, I'm not going to lie, bro. You might be right. This might be a little bit too boring and then pivot and not feel like so dismantled. It's like when you throw a throw, I'm really good. I'm so sporty these days. When you make a play, when you throw a pitch in baseball, And someone, you know, I don't, that's not really a good one, but like, there's all these different, I don't know, why do I use sports? I'm not even good at sports. And like, I barely watch them. But if I'm just thinking like, there's always plays in football, but you have to have a number of different plays to see which one's going to work. And so it's about figuring out what works for your students. The other thing I'm thinking about is this, can you have fun in doing that? Is there a way this year? That instead of being stressed, right? And I'm, I'm talking to myself right now too. Is there a way you can have fun with this? It doesn't make it necessarily suck less. It changes your reaction to it. So I'm going to post this thing on Instagram today. Um, there's a couple of dudes I follow on Instagram and, and beyond. Jesse Itzler and um, the School of Greatness. I forget what the dude's name is right now. Humble the Poet, uh, Aubrey Marcus, a bunch of other dudes are in Sweden. And they're doing this Wim Hof training. And Wim Hof is a guy that talks about cold exposure, which is something I'm really interested in right now. And so they have a video that they posted on Instagram of them in a giant galvanized metal tub and it is filled with ice. They're in the snow and they're in like, just like, like swim trunks. And they are all smiling and they're all chanting and singing this song while this is going on. And I loved it so much because it just made me think, being in the water it didn't change the water, it didn't change the weather, it didn't change the amount of ice. it didn't change the length of time that they had to stay in there. It didn't change any of that stuff. What it changed what it changed was their response to what was happening to refuse in a way to be brought down by this and look, it was of their own volition but you know what so was teaching Teaching was our own volition like we got into this. no one I don't know any teachers that really got forced into the classroom like, it was usually like your parents going ah, they don't make that much money. You're going to be living in our basement next to the Christmas decorations for the rest of your life. Um, But it is, can we kind of laugh in the face of all this? Not to belittle it, not to make this not significant, not to take away from the tragedy that has been COVID and all the people that have been lost to it. Like, I'm not trying to minimize that in the least. What I'm trying to say is to keep going. Sometimes we just kind of have to laugh and, and, and go along with this in a way that is like, This is so absurd. It's all so crazy. Um, I'm not going to let myself go down that rabbit hole of getting chewed up by it, but like, can I, how often can I pivot and can I try to have fun with this and how open with my students about both of those things can I be to help us kind of get through this together? What you got buddy? Miss Warren is asking where is the balance between fun and magical with rigorous and challenging? Love it. Um, I want to sprinkle magic on all my lessons, but I worry that my content will not be taken seriously. This is such a great question. Um, I don't know. I'm clapping a lot. I'm like, this is like... You get
0: very happy.
1: What's that movie? I don't
0: know. When
1: the mom is like, Hercules, Hercules. Uh, (laughs) Nutty Professor. Um, I think that this is a question that, you know, a lot of teachers have because they get concerned that if something is fun or if kids are laughing or if they're out of their seats or if they're carrying on, that's going to lead to like, the next thing is basically a riot in the classroom. You're not never going to get them back. I don't think that's true. I think it is, there's a couple of things there and it is because I've had classes that like, they just can't handle it. Like I had a class last year that we went, um, we were doing ghost stories. And some classes went to the, I, I gave everyone a battery powered, powered candle. We went down to the basement of the school and everyone had their candle and all the lights are off in the basement and Philly basements are like, it is grimy. It looks like where you go to put the lotion on and in, in sounds of the lambs. And so it's like big stone walls, the root that it leaks down there sometimes, like not on the kids, but like in the basement and stuff. And it's just Leaky smells like a and cellar. And yeah, like, like no, it's, it's creepy. Oh, it's creepy as hell, man. Um, so we went <laughs> down there. We stood around this table that I had set up already. Everyone put their candle on the table, and we read ghost stories. Or and one another time, we read children's stories with the students down there. Some kids, when we went down, yo, they couldn't handle it. They were like throwing their candles at each other, or like flicking someone, or punching someone, or pinching someone, or poking somebody with their pen. And we couldn't get through it. And so. Some other classes loved it and some were a mix. I remember there was a class that was like carrying on. I had stopped two times. I'm like, yo, check it real quick. I need everyone's attention. If we are not gonna do this, like I want you to know what we're doing right now. Like we're not having regular class. We are in the basement of the school reading ghost stories, bro. So like, but if we can't handle it, that's cool, right? I'm not mad at anyone. We're just gonna go back to class because my my ultimate goal is your success and you're not finding success right now in this so then we need to pivot and change and go do something else. And this kid, Jordan, in the back, remember Jordan from Mm -hmm. last year? Such a great dude. Jordan goes, uh, yells at the kids, tells them, essentially like, I'm not playing, everyone needs to be quiet because he goes, you know damn well this is the best thing we did all day. And I just (laughs) love that so much because if you can also get kids to buy in To be the authority figure so that kids won't always listen to you, but they will listen to Jordan because they know Jordan is a badass. And he's not, you didn't even have to threaten anyone. He didn't even tell anyone was going to beat him up or anything, but it's trying to get that level of buy-in, right? So it's figuring out, it's trying stuff. If it doesn't work, let kids know, Hey, look, I want you to know, I realize school's pretty boring, but if we can't do it this way, we could go, we could do it the regular way. We could do, you want boring regular school? Like I got that too. Like we, we got, we got all kinds here for everybody. Um, it's like a smorgasbord of, of madness at school. Um, the other thing is feeling like you don't have to sprinkle magic on every moment of the day. It could just be a little bit here, a little bit there. So that might look like, um, doing something fun in the beginning of class. It might look like if you have block scheduling or if you have a long or arduous period, that period, just doing something silly in the beginning. Um, it might be an incentive and in saying, Hey, yo, if we can get through this, um, I want to do, if I don't know if you guys ever saw like my expo marker challenge that I did, I got from for my friend, Chris Peck. We stand in the back of the room, expo marker in your hand and you underhand toss it, uh, so, to see if it can land on the marker ledge or the chalk ledge in the front of your room, right? The, I have a million ridiculous games like that, but it's just, but the way you're doing that is saying, yo, I need you to, we're not playing. If we're playing, we can't get through what we're doing. And then we're not going to have the time at the end, but if we have five, 10 minutes at the end, let's do expo Market challenge, let's do, I have a really great video I'm going to show you. Let's do this, you know, we'll do play heads up or we'll play, um, any number of other things that you're incentivizing for kids. Or sometimes it was like, yo, you got five minutes left. Just go on your phone and chill. See who liked your picture this morning from Instagram or play, you know, friggin' games on your, on your phone for five minutes, right? Um, but so I think that that's what it could look like also, but it's just that sprinkling. It's not a whole thing, but it's also holding kids accountable. Um, and letting them know the learning is first. That is the reason we're here is to educate you. Um, but can we make it fun? Yo, know, can we make this fun? Can we try something? I got an idea. It's a little bit crazy. Can we try it? And you might have kids who go, no, just, just give us the information. We don't, we want to have fun. This is that's for babies, um, and then you might have other kids who are like, "Hell yeah! Like I hate school. Let's make this as fun as possible." It could go both ways, and I think that comes through having conversations with your kids. Anna Ballerina is asking. Um, I'm going to say this out loud to you. I'm going to try and do these a little bit faster right now because oh, I realize I, I'm, I'm having are, super long answers today.
0: That's you didn't do 18. That's that's half of that.
1: Feeling good though. <laughs> Feeling good right now. All right. All right, here we go. Anna Ballerina, I wanted to get my English degree through an online university. My family thinks that I won't get as good of an education without an in-person experience thoughts. Anna, that's really interesting because I feel like everybody's online right now. Um, temple university here in Philly went back for one week in the dorms and then they sent everybody home. Cause somebody got COVID. Uh, I don't know, but let's, can someone help Anna out with that? Has anyone done an online degree? And do you think that it still holds the same weight as a regular, degree. Now there are things that you're going to miss out on, but I I think uh, my guess is that experience is going to be what you make it. Uh, I think that about everything. And so like, I went to community college and I talk about this all the time. I loved community college, but I made it fire. Like I partnered with the right people and I did great stuff and, and I met good friends. Like, um, but I had other people that were like, this is basically 13th grade community college is grade 13. Um, what do you make it? So I'm wondering if anyone could speak to her. Uh, so that's Anna ballerina is looking for this and what experience, like, what do you think? Um, it, the main differences are, or if there's a value difference between online schooling for college or in person learning, uh, for college, uh, Sarah, Wales asking Let's said Sarah white, which is someone that we know. Mm-hmm. Um, hi Reynolds. Hi Sarah uh, any innovative or imaginative ideas for checking work? Um, that isn't kids just lining up at my desk. We're not allowed to circulate around the room anymore. Many thanks from the UK. Love the UK. Uh, we're watching Peaky Blinders right now. And I'm sure that is not a direct representation of your country, but it is a great show anyway. Uh, let's, if I couldn't move around the room and I had to check work,
0: You would do just the irony is kids can line (laughs) up at
1: your desk, but they can't do that. I I sometimes the way that I would check work was sometimes like, um, even when I could circulate, I find, I find silly. I think silliness makes every, I think the spoonful of sugar is one of the greatest songs ever written. Spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. If you've not heard that song in a while, you should go back and listen to the whole thing again, because it's simply saying that, Anything can be fun if you try and make it fun, right? Just try and make it a little bit silly. And so I would check work. Sometimes I would do stamps. So I used to just walk around and like put like a check or, or a check plus or check minus or whatever, um, on kids work or grade it real quick and hand it back to them. That sucks. It's boring. Um, but I found that if I, instead of putting a check, I used a stamp, which one saved me time because I didn't have to write anything, um, I, but I would just use like, like stamp something and put it on there. That was really fun. And it just made it a little bit more like ridiculous. Uh, especially if I use dumb stamps, um, I find that using scratch and sniff stickers are still to this day. One of the greatest inventions of all time. I, they really need to make some, or if someone knows where they are, they should let me know stickers that stink. So like I want a sticker that smells like feet, or you know boogies or something like that so that if someone's grade sucks it's like bro here's what you just got you just got burp that's what that's the scratch and sniff sticker that you got because that's basically what you gave me um so it's because there's always that kid that writes like um the answer is and then they don't put it or like i felt in this part like and then they don't put anything it's like you just made me read this whole thing and you didn't write any answers you just put it it was like an illusion it was like It was like, you ran to the edge and then didn't jump in the pool. Like, come on, bro. Um, I find that doing stuff like that, or like, I would just give random stickers. Like some kids would get stickers and then other kids that did half the work. I cut, I ripped a sticker in half, put half a sticker on there. And like, what's that? And I'm like, well, you did half the work, bro. Get half sticker. Um, I think just some silly things like that are really fun to, to do. Um, so yeah, I wish I had a better answer for that but
0: someone said, um, throw, have a target and have them fold their paper, like paper airplanes and throw it. Yes. <laughs> you can even have just like a an empty waste basket, like up by your desk. Yep. And I would have them like, can you get it in there in any way? Extra well, credit. Yeah. It's like, what you get a point
1: in? extra credit, if but you they can't fall
0: it. It into trash like in a ball because then it's hard to read.
1: Yeah. But there's a hundred of it. No, or yo, I'll tell you what works. Oh, I don't have any paper. I've never made a video out of this, I don't think. I If you take a piece, I'm gonna stand up and show you this. Ow, legs hurt because I'm old. If you take <laughs> a piece of paper, and you, like a, like a, any piece of copy paper, and you go like this with it, if you can get it right, that paper will coast. And I have gotten that paper oh, to go three yes, to four seats that. back in a row to a kid. Where when I'm handing out papers, I don't want to walk down the aisles, it's awkward. And the hand on a stick only works for collecting stuff. So, but if I can, if I can, um, float that, <laughs> I and it. it amazes the hell out of kids. They're just like, what yes. just even happened? I'm like, bro, I got skill. I'm like a Jedi. Like, watch this. I'm I'll just be like, watch this. And sometimes it's a good, it's a fail, but getting kids to do stuff like that. Um, or, or last thing I'd say about this, asking your students, guys, this whole lining up thing, it's not, I'm not feeling it. I need creative solutions as to how we can come up with, uh, how we can hand in papers, this is part of your homework. You will Mm -hmm. write it on the back of tonight's assignment. The winner tomorrow gets this, right? So whether it's a prize, whether it's points, whether it's It's whatever. Um, I used to give uh, microwave popcorn out as a gift. And then I would be like, (laughs) if kids would win, because it's so cheap, you just get at the dollar store and and they're kids, so they'll freaking eat eat anything. They're like (laughs) raccoons. Um, You just like, Send I would send someone down to the office or if <laughs> this is another thing. If somebody got kicked out of a class or waiting in the hallway I'd be like, yo, bro, come here real quick. Go pop this in the thing. Don't open it either. I want to see that you freaking ate some because you got kicked out of class. Go take it to the office, ask them to pop it for Reynolds. And then that was like your incentive. And then you would just get to sit there and eat like my dollar store popcorn. And kids loved it. That's awesome. Um Naomi is asking, we are face-to-face in two fifth-grade classes. Yeah. School has been in for three
0: face-to-face in a
1: fifth grade class in a fifth oh all right face-to-face in fifth grade class Uh, school has been for three weeks and i've had so much bullying i'm a first-year teacher how can i best Mm -hmm. handle students treating each other terribly that's oh man i didn't see that coming um i think that one it is about being relentless i think that bullying is something i have a whole video on bullying that i talk about and i talk about it extensively in my book um, I was bullied bad. Uh, not like when I was in elementary school, it probably wasn't as bad as I remember, but you know, your threshold is a lot lower in elementary school. So like fifth grade, I was good. Sixth grade, I got bullied a lot. Sixth, seventh, eighth. And then ninth grade, I just got beat up every day. Uh, cause I went to like literally the, the worst high school in South Jersey. Um, but so I think it's important because though this is a moment where those kids are, and look, not that you don't already know this, but I just want to say it. It's the moment that these kids, they hold on to for the rest of their lives. There's everyone on here has some moment when they were growing up um, that it still sticks with them. You still remember that yeah. jerk in class that said the thing to you. You still remember the kids that followed you home. You still remember like when you drive by that corner now, like that's where I got in a fist fight with that, you know, redhead kid true story um they totally I still, remember, I remember the that. piece of
0: paper that someone cut a tiny slit in the middle of middle of and then taped it to his face to make fun of my two front teeth
1: oh because you had buck teeth yeah. when you were younger yeah <laughs> it was so, terrible yeah right so that stuff is what we hold on to i think there's a, i think there's a lot you can do here right and i'm sh- and there's a lot of teachery stuff you could do too, like report kids to the office and call their parents and refer them somewhere um but there's there's a couple things i would do here one kids that are bullies. Uh, and I look, this is like so cheesy, but it's really true. Um, hurt people hurt people, right? There's no one in the world that bullies for no reason, right? they they weren't just born a bully. They were you know, maybe, maybe if you're Jeffrey Dahmer or something like that, but like, I think innately those kids are coming out of some kind of hurt. The first fist fight that I was ever in was a kid named Jeremy and he had a little rat tail. This is like 1989. Uh, rat tails. For those of you that don't remember, was like basically like a strip of hair that went down the back of your back made your head look like a sperm. Um, <laughs> that's, that's why I probably didn't help that I'd call him sperm. head. Anyway, Keep going. um, he was the first fist fight that I ever got in was the sixth grade. Right. And it was a big deal because p- kids at my school had never seen a fist fight before. When I think back now, That kid was, he was in foster care and then he was later adopted by two older people that took Mm. in a lot of troubled young people that lived in this house with them. And now it's like, it makes sense to me. Like that kid, like how much hurt were you going through in your life? And then you see my happy, jolly ass walking around the classroom, like being friends with everyone. And you're just like, no, I don't want to be friends with you. You're a piece of crap. And I'm like, whoa, no bro. No, I'm cool. Everybody likes me. I'm fun to be around. He's like, no, you're not. You're a piece of crap. And like when you're a kid, you're just like, damn. So we end up getting in a fist fight. I think finding time to spend with those students is ultra important. Calling home could be important too. Seeing if there's anything that's going on, seeing if the parents can inform you about anything. Because that kids don't always know what's driving them to act in a particular way. But parents might say, Hey, look, last year someone died, someone got in trouble, someone got arrested, someone got sick, someone almost died, something happened, right? His dog got sick, whatever it is. We moved. Um Kids don't always know the source of their trauma, so it's hard for them to talk about it. But, so calling home could be interesting. Two, asking kids anyway, because sometimes they do know the answer. They do know where their trauma comes from, and that's a really good place to, be, to to enter into it with students, let them know that you care. It's always about telling kids, I love you, right? And you can use your own language there. I say love, not comfortable for everyone. I love you, I can't stand your behavior. You are perfect, you're wonderful. God made you and you're, 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 you're perfect just the way you are. Your behavior sucks ass and it needs to change. Don't know if you want to use that language with the fifth grader either. Um, but it is, it's about communicating that with kids and not just giving them ultimatums, not just telling them that they're in trouble, not just telling them that, uh, if you do this one more time, do it again. I'm going to call your mom. You want to stay at your school? You want a detention? Blah, 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 blah. None of that matters. It's yo, I see you and you're doing this thing. What's up? You know, this isn't right. Like you were raised by wolves. And if you were, let's talk about that because it's fascinating. Um, but it's about having that conversation. The other thing is letting the student know that's getting shit that they don't have to take it, that you are someone that's there, that you see it, that you're working on it. And that if it keeps going on, they need to come to you to help them figure that out. doesn't mean they don't play a part in in their own in that restorative process, right? It's not like you're coming to me and then I'm like the hired gun that has to go handle your problems for you, right? This is helping kids navigate troubled situations, having kids navigate, uh, moments where conversations are difficult to have. And so it's about addressing that. And then sometimes if I had a student and this has only happened a few times, but like, um, let's say I have a student that is, uh, autistic. And they, there's no way, shape or form that they like, they, a lot of times I've had these students that like don't even know someone's really making fun of them. Like they, they don't get the joke. They know someone's doing something, but they're not, they're not adding up one and one and one. Um, or they'll try and say something back, but it's just like, they don't, they don't possess that skill to be able to use sarcasm because it's not, you know, in their toolbox. So it is about doing a couple of things. Letting that kid know the kid that's being bullied, that same thing. I care about you. No, one's going to mess with you, bro. I got you. You're my homie. I'm not going to let anything happen to you. Right? So if someone's bothering you and it, even if it's not in my class, come talk to me about it. Doesn't mean I'm going to go tell on that kid or go handle it and be like, miles told me you were doing this. You know, Kevin told me you were doing this, but it's about letting them know that they have someone that is trusted and that will ride for them. And then I have oftentimes, um, asked that student to go somewhere else keep a folder in my room, uh, a blue folder that has a form in it. And when I needed someone to step out of the room, I would often ask like my friend Cho or my friend Yonkers shoot him a text. Yo, Kev's on the way, or they already know, right? So the kid that shows up with the folder, so I'm on the first floor. Yo, you have to go to the third floor. I need this sign. I need it done now. And I need I'm sending you cause you're my guy, right? Go get the sign right away. Please. They go up there. They know to hold the kid cause they see the folder. They know the deal. They, yeah. I'll get to that in one second, Kevin. Hold on, I'm doing something. They finish what they're doing, they take the thing, they sign it. So there's a de-escalation process, there's a keeping kid out of the class for a moment process, and then they come back with the signed thing. While they're away, I will often tell kids this: yo, listen to what I'm saying right now. My guy left. I know what's going on, and I'm telling you, there's a hundred percent chance that this doesn't happen again. That this child is off limits. I love making fun of people. It is like one of my favorite parts of the day is teasing kids, is messing with kids. But you have to know your audience. And if you're making fun of someone and it's not a fair fight, then it's not going to happen in my class. That if you want to talk smack, like, and I'll point kids out. Like if you want, if you said something to him or you said something to him, like I know you got the skills to come back, right? Or like you're, he's always talking trash anyway. But this particular student is off limits, and there will be no other talk about this. And that is always met. I never get pushback. I never get like, well, why, what about me? Or what about me? Or wh- wh- why does he get special treatment? Everyone like already realizes that that student was someone that they shouldn't be making fun of. And I also just don't do lazy jokes. You can't make fun of fat kids cause they're fat. You can't make fun of someone's hair because of, for reasons that like they can't help it. So like I had a student that was, uh, I've had multiple students that were bald for some, you know, medical reason. Um, Kids that had burns kids that had lisps because they had cancer before or because, uh, or someone that has like a peanut allergy, like that's lazy. Like, like all right, peanut allergy. I do mess with those dudes sometimes, but, um, and, but I know my audience and I love them and, and they know where I'm coming from. Um, but it is, there's no lazy put downs in our room. Go deeper. Look for kids that need chapstick and has them by their lips look like that all the time. It's really funny. And it's a great joke. Um, so yeah so that's just a few things i'm thinking about for that
0: a few holy smokes dude that's an important topic though man you know what i'm saying like and
1: it just it makes me it makes me riled up because because bullying is is something i think that teachers look the other way because it doesn't look like or it doesn't look like it's like oh all they were doing was saying this but when you're young, yeah. that oh, shit is true. hurtful. When the first time someone told me my nose was big, I was like, damn. I, like, wanted to go out in public, like, uh-uh. was, I wish it was freaking coronavirus. I wanted to have, like, a mask on my face. <laughs> or someone told me my ears were big. Or that I have a space between my teeth. Or whatever it is, right? And then oh, yeah. when you're young, it hurts. And it's because you have no scar tissue yet. And it's like, kids will get scar tissue eventually anyway. But it's not going to be on the, at the... Because some dick is like treating them unfairly in class. Um, um,
0: you're at time if you would like
1: to. Okay, so we got. I have time. I I, I am overtime here, and I'm trying to keep this uh, to spend time with my family on the weekend uh, at a minimum. Um, let's do. Let, let me see what I can do in five minutes. Okay. Gotcha. All right. John is asking. John Trevino. Trev Trevino. I feel like it should be Trevino. Anyway, John is asking. Um, Have you, how have you been lesson planning for online learning? I am a new high school social studies teacher with three preps and I feel like it's taking me longer to construct a single lesson. Any tips for more, for more effective planning, essentially. Um, John, I would say this, I already sort of answered this question. So if you listen back that that's in there, what I would add to that is, um, how many, so when I do my hip hop class and my literature class, I try and see if there's anything overarching, anything that I can take from one class to, and use it in the next class also. Maybe that's a journal entry. Maybe that's um, a video that I'm using that day. Maybe that's um, like uh, an exit ticket, something along those lines. Anything that I can take from this thing and use it in this thing. Uh, I feel like that will save you a lot of time in trying to like, you know, do that. I think also systematizing classes is, is the move because it, it creates like, Every Monday, I know I have to do vocab. I'm not trying to think what do I want to do this Monday? What would be fun? What would be interesting? Everyone knows as soon as you come in, take out your note cards or, or your phone, if you're going to use um, like Quizlet and the stuff's up on the board, we're going to talk about these and we're going to do a, an activity with it. Everyone knows every day when they come in that there is a journal entry. I don't have. To, all I have to do is dream up the journal entry, but they know what the journal is, they know how to write it, they know how to answer it. It's those sorts of things that you're going to do repetitively through the year that are going to, you're, you're kind of like, you, you are, you're peeing on your fire hydrant. That's what you're doing. You are marking your territory and saying, this is the day, this is the time we always do the thing. Um, and then that allows you to free up and then think of fun. Uh, Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Kate is asked Kate Harper. Do you ever have small group or one-on-one instruction? Maybe for students who are struggling with particular concepts. If so, how do you run it? So Katie, I do this in a couple of different ways. Um, on Zoom, I think it's great because you can just have like those those like breakout rooms, and you have students working together, and you can work with someone one on one. I've also done this uh, after school and during lunch. It's the, probably the best time that I have found to do this. Um, which right now that's not really conducive, but you know, going forward when we go back to school, it is a good idea because you are creating a safe space that's not t- part of class time to interact with students. And so, like when I had kids that spoke English as a second language they'd all meet in my room at the end of the day. Everyone would bring snacks. There's like reggaeton on the radio and like we're just jamming and, and learning, you know, the odyssey, even though it's not your primary language. Um, if not, I just, uh, when everyone's doing independent work, I will get a group of students together and be like, yo, I need, and, and I make it different all the time. So no one knows that it's like those dudes all the time. I need you, you and you, come over here, help me. Let's, let's figure this out. Or if someone's done and you know they're a good dude, so like my guy Ham is in a ton of videos, even though he's a complete jackass, I would, Ham was a really, really sweet guy. And I'd be able to say, yo Ham, yo my guy over here is having a hard time. I need to work with these two dudes. Can you go like take your master class over there and help them out? And that will help you to be in more places than at, at once than, than you can be normally cause you have kids helping kids. And that's really great too. And sometimes kids like that more. Um, Steven Carl Mendoza is asking, have you ever made a curriculum for a whole grade level or subject? Any videos uh, to guide us making this? Any tips on creating curriculum from scratch? Thank you for your effort, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, I appreciate that, man. Um, Steven, I created ha- I all of my curriculum. Um, so my hip hop class came from nothing. Um, all the books that I teach, I basically came up with what I'm coming up with. I, the way that I do this is, my wife's going to hate that I say this, I steal things. No, you don't things. do that.
0: You don't steal. You pick.
1: Do I take things without asking?
0: No, they inspire, like,
1: <laughs> so yeah,
0: you steal it, if I, that's what you want to say. I, I think that's the wrong word. From the internet.
1: Especially stuff that's been around for a long time. Like, how many people have covered World War II? How many people have talked about the great depression, um, the black Panthers, the hippie movement, like the space race, like all that stuff's already been talked about a million times. It's finding someone that already made it and then using it. Um, I, when I need to nail in a hammer, I don't build my own hammer. I go to the store, I buy a hammer and then I use it the way that I want to use it. Um, so I think that that's it. That's, the move, and then you just figure out how to sprinkle your own magic. You are not getting extra credit for creating your own stuff. Um, that if I need a two by four, I don't cut down a tree. I go to the store and get a two by four and I make it into what I want to make it into. I'm the one that's sprinkling magic, sprinkling magic on two by fours to make them into a shed or a house or a wall or a lemonade stand. Um, Tammy is asking, we. You kind of already answered that. Oh, we were just informed that we need to teach our, in person face-to-face and virtual students at the same time any advice on how to do this i already spoke to this twice um but my brief answer was figure out just try a whole bunch of stuff don't be precious about it keep pivoting and changing where necessary and try and have as much fun as possible um but i are i did answer that at, at length and so uh that was in there. that's your 15. There
0: are actually that was five. five
1: so i'm gonna do can i do one more extra credit sure go ahead. all right uh rosanna <laughs> martinez is asking. I'm a first year high school English teacher in Florida. I have literally, I have literally a couple of weeks of preparation uh, to prepare students for the ELA exam they missed in April. How do you engage them in the writing, in writing essays? Um, That's a great question. Kids hate writing essays. Um, I think it's about breaking it down and at first not focusing on the whole essay, focusing on the opening, focusing on the body, focusing on the closing. If we're gonna really simplify it, the other thing you can do is equate what they're doing to something they like. So when I used to teach persuasive essays back in the day, um, we would create, so I found that like kids didn't wanna do it. So I had this whole, and I talk about this in my book also, where the short version was, we looked at Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream, speech and talked about how that uses all of these great elements of persuasive essays or, pers- or persuasive, uh, speeches. Um, nobody wanted anything to do with that. Right. And I, it was my, it was my fault because I thought that everyone would get down with this, but what they did like was like kids, especially now, right? This is the thing that all your students are into kids like commercials. Right? like i pay the extra money on youtube so my kids don't have to watch the ads my kids love the ads we've been watching amazing race with our daughter and it's on hulu and i pay for like the cheap hulu so i gotta watch commercials which i hate my kids know the words to every commercial your students do also so we decided to figure out how our commercials using these same things that persuasive essays do and persuasive speeches do to get you to want to buy stuff or engage in something or buy something, um, or eat somewhere or whatever it is. And then having kids create QVC, uh, either videos or performing it in class. Like you had to like come up with a product and use certain elements of persuasion to get us to want to buy this thing. And then there was a writing piece that went along with it. And I found that that was a way to hook what I needed them to know into something they were already interested in and what they already knew about, and bringing those together because the students already know a lot more than they think they know, but it's you sort of helping them uncover and going, it's like going to therapy, right? Rarely does your therapist say something that you're like, Tch. it's like something you already knew, but they just kind of like, they took the puzzle pieces and put them in a different way. And you were like, Oh, Oh damn. I didn't know I could do that with that. Like, that's amazing. So it's trying to figure out whether it's, um, you know, whether they're writing, uh, commercials, whether they're writing love notes to someone or a love song to someone, or, you know, it it was always about taking certain types of writing and saying, like, I want you to write your, um, eulogy. I want you to write uh, a eulogy for someone you love. I want you, you know, you're, you're, you're creating something that kids might know about. Um, And, and bringing and bringing that in. And that's how I build engagement. Um, and then look, sometimes you got to do stuff. That's not fun. Right. But that's like, look, sometimes stuff sucks. People love playing football, but you don't want to run wind sprints. They suck. Suck it up. Right. Ready. Are you ready? Guys, 20 minutes today is going to suck. Right. Or I, I would often go like this. I go, uh, Hey guys, before we get ready today, need everyone's attention. Four, three. Thank you very much. Um, I need everyone on the count of three. To go, oh, and then and then I go. All right, ready? Can we all do that? Right? I mean, get it out. Like I want. I want to feel. I want to feel that explosive, disgusting breath on me when when you do this. Ready? <laughs> One, two, three. Everyone does it. Great. We got that out of the way. Look, the next 20 minutes is gonna suck. But you can't complain about it because you're already moaned about it already. Um, and then we just jump into it because sometimes you have to work for grit. Sometimes we read for grit. We write for grit. And because we're trying to push ourselves to do a little bit more, that when you run, sometimes you run slow and at a pace that you like, and sometimes you gotta sprint, and sprints aren't fun and they hurt and they make you winded and tired, but you know that's what's gonna elevate you to the next thing. So if you know that it's coming, let's just buckle down and take care of business. Um, That's it, gang. That's all I got time for this week. We will be back again next Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, In the meantime, folks, this week, it could be hellish. It could be terrifying. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. How are you taking care of yourself, right? Cause if the car doesn't have gas, nobody's going anywhere. And two, how much can you pivot what you're doing and how much can you try and have fun with what you're doing? If you need more help, our Facebook group, Real Rapid Thrones Teacher Talk on Facebook is a really great place to connect with people. Um, the book is available. The mentoring is available. Like we're trying to create spaces and places for people to meet, to be the teacher they always dreamed of being. Um, that's it everybody. Best to you this week. Peace.